This podcast is sponsored by our fine patrons. To find out how you can support the show, head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Give a little, get a lot of podcast. Welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt, and we're live at Nerdtacular 2015! Sword and Laser, in case you don't know, is a show about sci-fi fantasy books. We do author interviews, and of course, we talk about all the amazing things that you guys are talking about over on our forums at goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And we are really excited to be here. We only get like a live show like maybe twice a year here at Nertacular and at DragonCon, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, so it's fun to have people who are actually alive and human, Yes. for the most part. There's a couple of Murlocs in the audience, but... <laughs> Uh, Thank you all for coming out. It's great. Uh, What are we drinking? We're drinking Diet Cokes in the Brushwood family reunion uh, cozy that I have here. Mine's an opossum posse cozy. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a a beautiful, totally legal... mm, Utah. Light Coke. It's delicious. Uh, Naturally light, that (laughs) Coke is. It's more. It's a little watery for my liking yeah. for, for a coke. Hey, you need yeah. to stay hydrated. Though. I know. Seriously, like I I'm like the mom of Nertacular because every time I see someone, I'm like, Are you drinking enough water? Are you drinking enough water? Are you hydrated? She made me Are text Anthony Carboni of We Have Concerns to ask him whether he was drinking enough water. I was worried about him. He's kind of fragile, you know? He's what? Like kind Why of, do you think he's fragile? He's, just, he's, he's not fragile. fragile. He's got like a weak constitution. Have you heard how loud he can yell? It's, he I can fragile. loud yell. I'm still kind You're of fragile. You're also not fragile. I know. Everything tries to, to kill you, show. but nothing it's can. true. Have I talked about this on the show before? I don't know. I get like everything. Like I get all the illnesses. I had tuberculosis. I don't know if I ever talked about that. Yeah, that was a real fun time. I'm no longer contagious. It was back in 2006. This is a huge you digression. You also got tuberculosis on the outside of your lung. Yeah, like hung out there. Talk about a sci-fi book. Means. It was actually like a little alien like nest pod like hanging out in the pleural lining of my outer lung. Yeah, so that was fun. But yeah, so I get everything. So I try real hard to like stay on top of that and not get all the things when I'm traveling. So wash your hands, drink a lot of water, get enough rest, and don't kiss any sick people. Right. The end. All right, we got a lot to pack in here. We do, we do. Let's kick it off with the quick burns. Sandra over on the forum says, Game of Thrones news. HBO is apparently planning eight seasons now and maybe a prequel season. Mm. So reaction from the audience. Is that a way mm. to get around the books not coming out before the season? Like, oh, we'll do a prequel. Uh, short stories. Uh, Dunkin' Egg. Yeah. Yeah, that's Dunkin' what we'll do. Egg. I really feel like we had kind of a Dunkin' Egg reference in in in, in a recent episode, I believe. Yeah, when I when that. um uh, Eamon, I, no, I don't want to get into spoiler world here, so maybe I shouldn't do it too much. I just assume the podcast audience has read all the books and watched all the episodes, but I guess I can't make the same assumptions of the Nertacular audience. What do you, spoilers? Yes? No? I'm hearing... Oh. They're not they spoilers, they're previews. It's actually um, not... 
untrue. Anyway, well, well, it's fine. You guys can figure it out, but well, let, that's let, exciting. Let, yeah, let's read the actual qu sure. quote from Michael Lombardo, president of HBO Programming. And if you've been following the story, you know that he's been saying, oh, I don't know about this idea of seven seasons. And David Benioff and Dan Weiss have been saying, no, seven seasons, seven seasons. Here's the quote from Michael Lombardo talking to the Television Critics Association. Seven seasons is out and was never the case. The question is how much beyond we will go. David and Dan are feeling there are two more years after season six. That's what we're looking at right now. We hope that they would change their mind, but for that's how they are feeling now. Like this guy's like, no, you're doing the show forever. And he's like, hey, you guys like making money? You guys <laughs> like making buckets full of money? You're gonna keep doing the show. You like money? They're like, yeah, we like money. You like that new car? Like money. You like driving around in that new car? Like you're making more fancy. Game of Thrones. Yeah. So I'm excited. The more Game of Thrones I can get, the better. I'm already thinking of them as being like two separate iterations of the same project anyway at this point. Yeah, what is your what is your over under on George R. R. Martin getting Winds of Winter out before next season? No. 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 Are you kidding me? No way. There's not even an over under. It's just a You no. think five years? Oh, I don't think five years. I think it's smart to feel that way though. <laughs> I really do. Yeah. Because then you'll just be happily surprised if it's any time before that. You're setting yourself up for success. Yeah. Which is good. Do you want to read that email from Paul, or should I? Uh, well, it's actually a Goodreads post. Oh. Uh, he said, I didn't want to start a whole thread, so he just threw it in the Quick Burns thread. Uh, but he took his wife to Barnes & Noble for Fangirl Friday, and they were giving away free copies of Drive, the Expanse prequel short oh, story, cool. to advertise the upcoming TV show. And if you're interested, it's worth to add to your collection. Uh, check if they have it at your local store. So I read it online when they first released it, and mm -hmm. it's a great little short story if you love the James S.A. Corey's Expanse universe. But I guess you can get a print version of it now. Nice. Which I, I've always been a fan of actual physical books if I really love the book. Even when ebooks have come along, although I do mostly audio and mostly ebooks, every once in a while I buy a book because I just want to have it. That would be one I would want to have. Are you guys looking forward to The Expanse, the series that Sci-Fi's doing? It's kind of like the next coming of Battlestar Galactica. Like it's going to be a pretty big deal so far. And we we read the first book in the Expanse series, um, On the Leviathan show. Wakes. Yep. And I've read them all since. And you've read them all. And we've had we've had the authors uh, James S. A. Corey is a writing duo of uh, Ty Frank and Daniel Abraham, and they're just fantastic. We've had them on Great the show. Folks. So if you love like pretty dark, like awesome space opera sci-fi, you'll really like this series and I think the show is going to be great I'm super stoked about it yeah I'm looking forward to it as well I just if you like space opera it's not going to be hard sci-fi if you're looking for hard sci-fi look somewhere else but if you like just a good space opera story that does actually have reasonable restrictions on how fast you can travel from one planet to the other in the solar system like that plays they make that play an important part of the story but it is all about the characters if you're a firefly fan there's a little bit of that crew bonding feeling in it although it's not a firefly clone they're not trying to have zoe mm -hmm. and mal and stuff uh it's just really i really yeah. like it all right, so for this next segment, uh, we're going to welcome up an author friend of ours up to the stage, uh, Mr. J.F. Dubow, uh, who is one of the winners of the um, Inkshares contest that we did earlier in the year. So his sci-fi novel, The Life Engineered, is going to be published under the Sword and Laser imprint on Inkshares, and we're really excited about it. <laughs> Oh, I had your microphone on this side, but you can sit oh. there too. That that works fine. That's good. Want to go to that one? You want me to yell? Is he okay on that microphone too? That's good. Okay, cool. Yeah, just pull that closer to your face. Did I say your name right? I'm sorry. What did you? How did you pronounce it? I said J. F. Dubo. That's perfect. That's yes, awesome. nailed it. Uh, it's 90% better now. Scott Johnson says it. 
How does Scott Johnson say it? I, he doesn't. He says it like you'd expect him to say it. Yeah, sure. point that at your face. Oh, there that. you go. Face. Podcasting. So it's different got, from writing. I got you guys some dumb gifts. Uh, the first edition of the book before it got picked up by Inc. Wow, thank you. One of, the, cool. one of them is signed with a really, really sentimental and like very grateful text. And the other one has a robot sketch, so figure it out the one yourself. I, the ro which I call one robot. <laughs> and like signed prints of other <laughs> illustrations. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I think I got, I, robot. Got, I got robot. Nice. Um, so yeah. So tell us about the process a little bit. So when you entered the contest on Ink Shares, did you did you have a fully formed novel already? I mean, was this was done, or were you still working on it? Or at what point were you like, I feel like I can get this thing in the bag? Well, what, what happened is uh, last November, I self-published the book through CreateSpace and Kindle Direct. I sold um, zero copies through CreateSpace. Wow. Uh, apart from what I bought myself. And e was that just print or print and ebook? No, it's print and ebook. The yeah. ebook, the ebook sold, I I guess, like yeah. an average of maybe a book a day. But it wasn't like a runaway success or anything like that. And when I saw the contest with Inkshare through, actually through Sword and Laser, obviously, I I looked at the rules saying, can I get on that? Mm -hmm. And I I was so nervous about it, I actually emailed Inkshare saying, like, is this against the rule of the contest? They, they gave me the okay, the thumbs up, and I signed it up and it, yeah. lost two months of my life. It's well, pretty amazing how, how, like, kind of freewheeling they are with that kind of stuff because they're like, yeah, if it's published somewhere else, like, that's okay. I, like, I don't really understand. I feel like they, they can do, they're a lot more flexible with the rules about your rights and, and or, 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 like, where you can publish and what you can do with it afterwards. Like, you own all the IP still, that, right? Well, that's the thing. Like, they're, they're, they're flexible but specific in the sense that if, <laughs> if you have the rights to hand over what you're doing to them, and that they, they don't have to jump through any hoops to get it done, it's fine. If if I had like already given some of the rights to a publishing house or something like that, mm -hmm. then it probably would have been a no because then they have to sort of get those rights back and all that. Gotcha. So the sim as long as it's simple for them, they're okay with it. Do you want to tell the audience about the novel? You mean like an elevator pitch? Yes. Oh. A space elevator no, pitch. Imagine that each one of these people anyways. just said to you like, so Life Engineered, what's that about? All right, so I don't have a very good elevator pitch, and I'm like rewriting it every time someone asks that question. The uh, the story is about like it's said thousands of years in futures, or and it's essentially the story of what happens once humans have created artificial intelligence that is not the kind of artificial intelligence that's like I don't know how to love, but actually <laughs> is intelligent enough to have emotions, feelings, and have a sort of self sort of self-contained. Um, post-scarcity society, and once they've disconnected from humanity, what happens to those robots? And that's, that's the, the, the setting is sort of based on that, the sort of utopia based on robot life. But it wouldn't be a good book if things didn't go to crap at some point. So what happens is that at some point there's an ideological difference between some of the robots that starts to fracture how their, their civilization works. And the main character needs, to, she is one of the most recently constructed robots in the society. So she's both learning about the civilization and at the same time trying to figure out how to stop the society from sliding into a civil war. And the level of technology in the book means that a civil war would completely raise a galaxy to the ground because, you know, robots thousands of years in the future, what can't they do? Mm -hmm. How does that sound? 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, that, that's one of the reasons we picked this one. Is it's just a, it's a it's a great story, and and you wrote a really good version of that story. I mean, oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I kind of you, I, I was wrote worried. It really well, is what I'm oh, thanks. I, I'm worried that you guys just like picked the winners out of a hat. Like, but that, that's validating. I like that. I prefer that version. Yeah. No, it sounded really awesome. And I noticed out on the on the floor out there, you have a model of of something from your book. Yeah. Okay. So I have way too many hobbies. So I'm putting some aside, but one of them is modeling. And as I'm writing, obviously, I'm, I'm kind of visual, so I try to imagine how some of the stuff will look. And one of the characters that seem to have really grabbed people is a, is a robot of what I call a Von Neumann-class robot, is a, one single consciousness spread into several bodies so that they can accomplish more complex tasks, usually to do construction. And that particular character, a lot of my better readers and the people that already got the book, the first version of the book, really fell in love with that character and said, you know what, I'll just make eight copies of a model. And I made one and I brought it here and I'm going to try to raffle it off somewhere behind, b b before the end of Nertacular. You know, one of the things that Inkshares and Lulu and CreateSpace and all of these other uh, organizations are making possible is folks who would not have been able to get the attention of an agent still have another channel to at least try to get their, their books in front of people and, and get people to read them. What, has that been why you've kept at it or what has because I because I know you say and you're about the author you've been like making up stories your whole life like what kept you still plugging away and trying to write write books well okay almost everybody has if you ask almost everybody they'll say oh yeah I'd love to write a novel which is like which is the cliche I spent most of my life living until eventually I did do I did the Dino thing. I wrote my first book. It was a crappy book about vampires because I also have a theory that everybody has a vampire story to tell and they're mm. all terrible. Uh, <laughs> so I I, want, I just wanted to get it out of my system. So I said if I'm gonna write my first book, which is gonna be bad because it's the first one, I'll do the vampire book now so I don't have to think about it. And halfway through the process, I realized oh. I can't stop doing this. Like it doesn't matter if it's good or not, and it doesn't matter if I can make, you know, a, a, a career out of it. I'm not going to stop writing. So, considering like being falling in love with the medium in a way that I hadn't thought possible. Like if I'm going to write a book, I'm going to say I, I wrote a book and be able to say that that's off my bucket list. But after writing the first one, I wrote a second one, then a third one. This is the fourth, fifth, fifth one I wrote, and. Even if no one would pick it up, even if like the, the, the Inkshare campaign would have been a complete failure, I would have still wrote, written the, the sequel, which I'm working on right now. And I would have written something else afterwards because I just, this is my heroine. I can't. <laughs> well, so when we talked to R.S. Salvatore at DragonCon a few years back, his advice was stop writing if you can to new writers. And if you can't, then you're right. Yeah, I know. Mm. I'm, I'm doomed. Like this, <laughs> yeah. I, I have a problem. Help. <laughs> Help buy my book. Help. By enabling <laughs> him by buying yes. his book. <laughs> See, this is why you're good at this. <laughs> yeah. So I noticed, I, you know, I don't know too much about your personal background, but you have a, you have a French name and yes. you have an accent. So are you Quebecois? I, yeah, I am. I am Quebecois. And I, so I, I, I eat the poutine. Do you? That wasn't... <laughs> I'm interested in that. That was not my question. Well, that is I relevant to my interest. Well, I chat later. Okay, but what I was going to ask about is, so do you primarily write in English, or do you think in French and then translate it into English in your mind, or or, or are you just so multilingual well, that it doesn't matter? All right, but, well, personal background is, like, my parents were smart enough that when my brain was still spongy enough to learn languages, they tossed me into an English, like, completely English preschool. Mm -hmm. So I actually spend more time 
interacting in English, whether it's on the internet, watching mm -hmm. uh, English television, well, Netflix, let's be honest, um, or just like even my workspace. The only people I speak in French with are my parents at this point. Mm. Like even my brother, who's also French, we speak mostly in English. So when I write, I think in English. I actually have trouble writing stories in French because I find the language, if I were a poet, French would be perfect because it's so flowery, but for narratives, it feels heavy. Interesting. Yeah, I never knew that. All right, so if uh, obviously Life Engineered still going through edit, uh, coming out 2016, right? Yes, and the, ed the editing process. If, if any of you want to get on InkShare, the editing process is awesome. It's, they're so good. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. a really that's really good feedback. How, how are you not trying this? <laughs> I <laughs> probably will. Yeah, I yeah. think we're, we're planning a little thing for Vaginal Fantasy, actually, oh, yeah. potentially for, for Christmas time. So we'll see awesome. how that goes. By the way, my main character is female. I just want to put that no, out there. All right, okay. It's your sexy times? No. Oh. They're robot sexy times? For Veronica, there's, they're robots. They're yeah, maybe. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Problem? That's the point. <laughs> well, okay, I, well, I don't, I don't want to... There's a sequel, and the sequel is more of a love story. So. Have you read um, He, She, or It? No. I, look. Super robot sexy times. <laughs> anyway. can, can I just confess that the last time I read a sword and laser book, and I listened to the, to, to the podcast, you guys are my source of literature news, which is how sad this is. Um, what does that mean? No, I mean, <laughs> what does that I, mean? I know what he meant. I she, don't. Do, okay. do you need me to explain it? <laughs> no. Yes. Yeah. No. Don't no, okay. I'm, I'll I let mean, it go. This is not your primary focus. And if I wanted more up-to-date daily news on literature, there's a better the place Yorker. to go get it. Okay. Yeah. I, but I, I, the last time I actually read a book from the book club was Joe Walton's, amongst other. Okay, That's so within the last that long three years. It's, yeah, well, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's okay. They're not reading I any of the books all. either. It's fine. No, no one's read any of the books. You buy them all. I still. buy them. No, <laughs> it's, it's 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 my to read list. But right now I'm reading Gary Wood's Abomination, which I recommend to everyone. Yes. Abomination is awesome. For also published on Inkshares. Yeah, there's that's just a coincidence. <laughs> I mean, it is really good. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, he's the author of Rogue One. Like, he's yeah, awesome. Right. He's amazing. Yeah. Uh, well, cool. If, if people want to get the life engineered, what should they do? Um, the easiest way, if you have a terrible memory, is to come and see me right outside where there's a robot, and I'll give you a sticker with a, uh, a URL where you can find the links to go pre-order it. Or if not, you just can just go on inkshares.com, search for the life engineered, and you'll find the book there. And you can you can follow me there. You can uh, you can pre-order the book. You should pre-order the book, really. And uh, and that's yeah, that's the best way. Excellent, Jeff. Thank you so much. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thanks for having yeah. me. I just, I also want to thank Tom and Veronica very very quickly, like for giving the opportunity because it's 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 one thing to get on Inkshare. It's quite another to get on Inkshare and be able to associate yourself with. A, like a, a, a good name, like Sword and Laser, and also with people that you've listened to and admired for uh, oh. nine oh, to three you. years. So thank you very much, guys. Well, thank best you. of luck. We're excited about it. That's awesome. Shucks. Oh, they like the us. Warm fuzzies. My cold black heart is thawing. Um, so we have a little game that we're playing today. Oh, what? what? Uh, what, what? No, oh, we, book in the month discussion. Real quick. Uh, who here reads the Sword and Laser books? No, none of them. No, I already, no, I already, asked, I already yeah, pulled right. them. No, no, we got more hands yes, up now. Yes. They, okay. People are willing to admit it now. Like, not the last one, but like some of them. Yeah, just sometimes, okay. not every time. Okay. Oh, all right. Oh, like, yeah, okay. So well, we more want, of you are here now than earlier. We too. mentioned it last episode, <laughs> but this episode will post after August starts. So officially, by the time this episode is on, Naomi Novik, uh, Uprooted, and man, I got to say, I'm, I'm a good ways into this, and it is... Such an amazing modern take on a fairy tale. Yes. Uh, subverting the heroine in distress meme. 
uh, changing the you know the the wizard profile from from it used to be like wizards were always angry like in th white and then it became you know wizards were mischievous friends like in jrr or, tolkien or kindly uncle yeah figure, kindly uncles and this figure. is taking it back to like not trustworthy but also not just a grumpy old man like i don't know that multifaceted you, yeah you're i think you're really going to enjoy this if you like any of that kind of story that i'm talking about and you know what else is fun um if you don't have a lot of time to read but you like you know, interacting with communities like this. Uh, this is also going to be the August pick for Vaginal Fantasy. Um, there's, it's, it's a YA novel, so there's not a lot of sexy times, as I like to call them, um, but there is a bit of a romance element to it. So if you want to kill two birds with one stone and, and follow along with two book clubs for the price of one, uh, this month's pick will, will get you there. And I, I've already started reading it, and you know, this is Naomi's uh, first kind of foray into this world outside of the Temeraire novels. Um, she's done, she's done like fanfic and other worlds yeah. and short stories and stuff. But the Temeraire series was really her the basis of her career up until this point. But this novel has been released and is getting huge acclaim. Actually, Robin Hobb blurbed it. You know, it's it's getting a lot of really great response from other authors and from book reviewers. Um, and and I really wanted to read it. And I had actually bought a copy at Borderlands. And I was like, how can I sneak in a book I really want to read into the book clubs. And then oh, at the same wait, time, I'm the one who chooses the book every other yeah, month. Ah, I have that power. God. I can yeah. pick a book that's already on my bookshelf. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about this one. Uh, she's one of my favorite authors. Um, it, it's getting a lot of really good press so yeah, far. Yeah, I want to read this blurb from Kevin Hearn. Sure. Uh, he says, it's one of the tales you come back to over and over again because it's just that enchanting. The adventure builds with such tension that you are peeking through your hands at the end, hoping it will all be okay. And Naomi Novik delivers a conclusion that's deeply satisfying, earning a permanent space on my bookshelf that I'll revisit often. Uh, Kevin Hearn's a great writer, excellent storyteller. And so if he thinks this is something he wants to reread, and, and we talk to him, he doesn't have a lot of time to reread stuff. No. I think that's, that's a heck of a recommendation. So we've been saying, and in the audiobook and on our show, we've been saying Agnieszka. Agnieszka. As, Agnieszka as the main name. Yes. And it's, but other people have been saying that maybe it should be Agnieszka. Uh, well, in Russian, there but it's are two not. Kinds it's based in e's. Poland. It's supposed no. to be Polish. Okay. Well. Okay. I was just going to say, in okay. Russian, there are two kinds of e's. Mm -hmm. There's a soft e and a hard e, which is why I think the audio narrator made it the soft e. But in Poland, do they not have the? Soft I don't know. E? Do you, does anybody know how that name should be pronounced? Any uh, ideas? Do we have any Polish people? Any? Or no. Polish speakers. Okay. Or. What? What? I have played, played a lot of The Witcher, but there's no <laughs> character one. in that. Story with that name. Okay. Um, that's okay. Uh, right. we'll, we'll figure it out later. Well, but we want to get it right. right. Someone did actually write in, and they, that's what they said. Oh, okay. But we just need more write data. Write in with proof. <laughs> I know. So we, have, we have one data point. That's good. So, yeah, we're excited about that. So you can pick that up through the link in uh, over on swordandlaser.com or at your local bookstore or library and uh, join along with us over on Goodreads. We're, we're really excited about this one. So we wanted to do something a little uh, more interactive, a uh, little bit off our normal format since we're here at Nerdtacular and you guys are so fun to talk to. Uh, so before the show started, uh, Veronica went out and made a request of some people. Yes, I thought it'd be really fun if we got totally fictional book titles, book authors, and first line of this fake book. And then we'd review it as though we had read it. Um, so I do think this was Anthony Carboni's idea. Okay, so we'll give, Car we were we'll give Carboni give credit, credit, fine, whatever. Good idea. I didn't, I didn't know that, so um, would you like to, I'll read the first one, okay. and then do we, we and just yeah, we'll improv go back it and forth. together? Yeah. Okay. okay. 
All right, so the title of this book is The Lost Words by Eugene W. Jones. First line, faster than light travel has existed for 10 years, but I still can't get over the time traveling dinosaurs that come with it. The Lost Words, uh, I have found to be really last intriguing. Word, I think it's Last Words. The Last Words? Is it Lost or Last? Last. last. The Last you. Words, as I said, uh, is really intriguing because all the way through the book, you're building the tension of what the dinosaurs are going to do. Right. And because of the title, wondering, is it the dinosaurs that are going to give the last words? Or is it the uh, Tregelians? Or is it the human species? You know, I was really impressed by the fact that, you know, in this parallel universe in which the dinosaurs have continued to evolve over the millennia, um, you know, their, their technology that they've developed through that time has been really surpassed the humans, I think. Yeah, the ability to travel through space without a machine, mm -hmm. uh, but just enveloping themselves in their own skin and mm -hmm. trapping air, uh, insane. The, the love interest between Troglash mm. and, and Martha, I think, was so really touching. touching. Yeah. Especially. Yeah, especially because you really thought Martha should be with Jorvan. <laughs> just saying. He was a little pushy, though, you know, the T-Rex, but trying to hug her, like the scenes where he just really wanted to hug her, and his arms just couldn't I get just around her be body because they were so small. She kept saying. Yeah, and it wasn't, wasn't possible. So I would give, I would give uh, the last words... Um, Four out of five. I'll give it four out of five. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, it's one to stay half. with. Three and a half for me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we have We Are All Gonna Die by Beauregard Schlossages. <laughs> Here's the line. Here's the first line of the book I would not have believed it if you told me. Mm. You know, Schlossages has really come a long way <laughs> in his. And his writing ability over the past 10 years, he's really developed as an author. Um, and I think this just goes to show that you really can come back from, from just awful tragedy and embarrassment in the literary community. Yeah, I agree that it's a, it's a, it's an, a postmodern take. Uh, the fact that the main character is constantly saying, we are all going to die, and then yeah. at the end says... I would not have believed it if you told me, reflecting the first line of, of the book it, again. It really just it, it, it sandwiched it's, it it's nicely. It's like a Kerberos. Yeah. It's a circle story. It's mm -hmm. framed that way. Uh, but overall, I was left just a little bit flat by the constant love story, yeah. which only had one participant. Well, and, and the fact that... <laughs> The fact that they did all die in the end, I think, was... It was a little predictable. It was a little predictable. I mean, he kept saying it, and then it happened. So, you know, what are you going to do? I look forward to the sequel. <laughs> all right, the next book we have is The Gentry Paradox by Gerard Hillstrom. It all began at the end. Yeah, this one I didn't like, uh, yeah. especially because there aren't any other words in the book. <laughs> It, you just go to the end and it says uh, the title of the book again. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't wasn't very deep. Not a no. lot of depth there. I mean, it was bold. Mm -hmm. I will grant you that. The talking frog, though. The talking frog. Interesting. The talking frog illustration on the cover of the book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. How? I mean, everyone calls it a talking frog because it has its mouth open. But I had forgotten that there were no other words in the book. <laughs> I totally screwed up that improv. Sorry. <laughs> But good recovery. Good recovery there. We broke the third wall. Fourth wall, whatever. We broke some walls. How many walls are there? All right. <laughs> this, is a, this one sounds totally implausible. 
Tales of the United Moon Colonies. <laughs> Author, Tom Merritt. Mm -hmm. First line. Django pressed her nose to the cool glass of the shuttle window and watched as Earth, the only home she had known, faded away against the black. My biggest problem with this book is that it's copyright infringement. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how United Moon Colony starts. But this is Django's in this an is, entirely different book. But this is book. Tales, spelled T-A-I-L-S. Yeah. This, no, is this a sequel you that you worked you on? You can't just take. Is this, uh, Roll with it. Events of a different a nature, mash it up with United Moon Colonies and call it a new publication. I think you're letting your emotions get the best of you Am here. I? You are, a little bit. So if Django decided to, by the way, I like that she spelled with the silent D in this novel. Yeah, well, that's to separate it, uh, you know, in the lawsuit, so I can't right. go after <laughs> The D is silent, she said. The D is absent. Yeah. Um, that was just sad that they sent the dog into space like that. It yeah. didn't work for the Russians. No, no, it was, it was. That's a true thing, by the way. Like they sent a dog into space Leica. and it died. Mm. It didn't, it didn't, it really so didn't work, did for, the work for the dog. All right, well, we're getting into real world now. All right, here we go. We got okay. the next one here. Yep. The Fires of Argazes by Jeff Grodahl. Here's the first line. The lizard men were a-holes. Well... <laughs> You know, I kind of, I would have liked some more time for the lizards to develop as people. Lizards? Lizard people? Sure. You know, like give them a little, I, okay. I mean, I feel that that kind of set the tone for the whole book, and I felt like I wanted to know them more. That, that's a fair criticism, but mm -hmm. this is an adventure story, right? This is uh, in the mode of Odysseus, right? We're, this is all about the various worlds that Nezgazar visits mm -hmm. with his team, uh, and, and how they're able to overcome not a stronger opponent, but a ruder opponent. Opponent that you just hate from the very beginning and you love to hate. And they are a-holes all the way through. And I got to give Grodel uh, credit for being able to maintain that. Yeah, you know, I felt like, <sighs> I just wanted to love them. I just really like, I didn't feel that way. I felt like I, I you wanted- You loved the lizards? I did. They were a-holes. I know they were a-holes, but they were lovable a-holes. No. They were like, you know, like brushwood. They were like, you know, they were just like, <laughs> Brushwood is lovable. Yeah. Not an a-hole. Well. <laughs> I don't know why that was the first name that came to my mind. Because like, I don't really think man. that. A lot of people don't realize man. that. Yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know that looking at him. Not all lizard men. Not all lizard men. All right. The next book is Dial FTL for Murder by Alfred Hitchnock. <laughs> first line. Oh, no. Oh, no. The humans are coming. Yeah. Real promising start, humans never show up. Yeah, they just never showed up. What was the deal with that? Like, I get the delayed gratification on yeah, that and the yeah. suspense, and I was caught up in it for the first half, but, you know, by page 742, I'm like, still no humans? Well, you know, I liked how the entire book took place within the span of, like, a 10-minute period. Yes. <laughs> That like, I thought clever. that was a really interesting construct for the book. Um, you know, you just didn't really know what was going to happen. Because, I mean, 10 minutes is not that long time, but almost 800 pages is a lot of thinking words. Yeah, they made 10 minutes feel yeah. like a long time. Really, really <laughs> long time. But I am looking forward to the sequel. Yeah? Yeah. Which is? Uh, I can't think fast enough. Dial FTL for solving a murder. For solving a murder. That's terrible. But I can't come up with anything Dial better, FTL so I'll take it. Dial FTL for humans are finally here. They're here. They're here. We promised this time. And they brought pizza. That was so nice of them. All that stress for nothing. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, thank you guys for playing along with that. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. Good stories, you guys. I would love it. I mean, I feel like... 
I kind of feel like the last words could actually be a novel. Like that's like the dinosaurs like figure out time travel. I think that'd be that a pretty, a good one. Yeah, a pretty clever that. NaNoWriMo or yeah. something. So do that. Beauregard. All of no, them are good. Beauregard. All of them are better than we made them sound. Yes. <laughs> uh, and that is it for the main show. Should we close out and then take Q&A? Yeah. Yeah. All right, right. so we'll close out first. Well, thank you guys uh, so much for listening. Um, It's been awesome. And uh, if you want to follow Sword and Laser, you can do so at swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com at goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And, uh, of course, you can get in touch with us, feedback at swordandlaser.com, or call us. You can call and leave us a voicemail. People don't generally do this, but I always think it's fun when they do, at 4157-SWORD-6. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you, Nerdtacular! So okay. We can keep you keep recording on this, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And we'll uh, we'll just take questions from the audience if you're interested. Microphone is right there. there. Ask us anything about anything. About stuff. It could be about science fiction and fantasy. It could be about books. It could be about. You can the tell show, us what you're what reading recently. You can if you've got something to pitch. Men. You can do that. Uh, are you coming up for a question? Good. We have we have our number one. So now you don't have to feel like you're reading the first person. Yeah. Come on up. Come on. Come on up. For the love of God, come on. You have to have some questions. Hi. Hey, how's it going? Hey, uh, my name is Ken. Uh, I'm from Orlando, Florida, and I've been listening to you guys since the Buzz Out Loud days uh, when you were a silent producer, Veronica. It was probably best for the best. (laughs) And uh, I followed you all over to uh, uh, Sword and Laser. And the first thing I have to thank you for with Sword and Laser is uh, opening up the world of Audible to me. Um, cause I'm one of these people that I have a bunch of things going on and I have very little time to read, but I listen to audible on my lunch break. And so I've been able to listen to a number of the sword and laser books. And then occasionally there's stuff that I have to listen to for work or things like nice. that, but it's, it's been a great way. So thank you for that. My second question is, um, I have a basically a memoir um, of a time when I was going through a life-threatening illness that a number of people uh, have said, hey, you ought to turn this into a book. But right now, it's kind of more in a journal form. Mm -hmm. And uh, what are some, are there good uh, forums out there for finding somebody who can maybe help as a structural editor or or so to say, okay, if you want to turn this into a manuscript, here's where we would sort of change this around and present it as a uh, as a story. Wow, that that's a great question. Uh, I know that the services like CreateSpace and Lulu uh, provide contacts to people like that, and you pay them. Uh, and I've heard varying things. Some people have had excellent experiences there. Uh, some people haven't. So it, it kind of depends on who you get. I, I suppose, but at least you know they're being vetted through somebody that way. I've never done it myself. I wonder if anybody here or anybody in the audience has. It'd be great to to hear yeah. some pers- somebody who has personal experience with that, or if there's some forums that I don't know about. 
like yeah, this say, is this is not an area I actually know a ton about, frankly. Like I know that Inkshares does offer those services once you get to your pre-order limit and stuff like that, but that's not going to really help you at this stage. Um, but you know, the last time last time we chatted, um, last time we talked about this kind of thing, we actually had a lot of editors write in and say they'd be willing to help people. So maybe they'll write in again. But yeah, I'm sure what? there's forums online. That that's actually a great point. Yeah. We have a forum at Goodreads.com. Yeah, you can try where that. I bet you if you ask that question. I wouldn't be surprised if a couple people didn't volunteer to help you who do that. And if nothing else, people might be able to point you to some good resources. Okay, thank you. Yeah, sure. I have a question. Whoa, whoa it's, it's TV Jeff Kanata. Yeah, I'm just gonna cut in front of the line and tell Veronica to get the hell out of oh, here. What, okay, bye. What, what's going on? Which room do I go to? One. Next, next, next door. Bye, everybody. Jeff Kanata, we have concerns, ladies and gentlemen. Hey! This is going to seem a lot more fun to the people in that room, I think, but I'm, I'm coming in to ruin your show. She's going in to make my show better. We're doing a host swap. <laughs> and I, I won. I, I don't think Jeff. you won. I mean, I, I would like everybody to here Veronica is too, like, but where did Veronica go? <laughs> <laughs> you guys all lost, but I won. No, I, did, I, 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 wasn't saying that I, I wasn't saying I won in losing Veronica, by the way. I was saying I won in not getting Carbone. <laughs> Just to be clear. I can get behind that. Uh, how's it going, man? It's going great, man. How are you doing? Good. Good. I, I, so how? What, the, one of the reasons this happened is because uh, we found out that we were scheduled at the same time as each other. Right. And I'm such a huge fan of Sword and Laser that I was really bummed I wasn't going to get to come to the panel. So we came up with this crazy, uh, crazy plan where we would just host swap. And I'm a big fan of We Have Concerns, so I just wanted to like have a chance to chat with Jeff, <laughs> which is awesome. So I hope uh, you guys are excited. By the way, <laughs> I bet a lot of you guys know this, but Jeff uh, has done an audio book. Uh, so he, he kind of has some insight into how some of the, the industry works. It was a sci-fi book. We talked about it on the show. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, um, it, was, it was so much fun doing uh, my first audio book. A lot of work. Um, but I learned a lot in the process, and I, I'm, I'm hoping to be able to do more of them. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I love audiobooks as a way to digest books in general. And so I'd, I've been wanting to do one for a long time, so it was cool. Our, our first questioner there was mentioning audiobooks. I wanted to throw out Downpour, which I know I've mentioned on the show before. Some people occasionally don't like Audible because of the DRM involved, and maybe they want to move the book that they bought to a place that Audible doesn't support. Uh, if you go to Downpour, when you buy an audiobook there, and their catalog isn't quite as big, but if you find one you want to read, uh, you get it undrm'd. All the authors agree undrm'd, so you can put it anywhere you want, listen to it on whatever device you want. It's awesome. Do you, want, do you want to take questions? Well, I guess. I mean, I feel like I, I feel like everybody's a little disappointed. But um, or did you bring a science story? <laughs> yeah, I brought a science story. No, I mean, um, I I just I love reading and I love books and that's why I love your show so much. And um, so I'm just excited to be here to talk about books. I hope I don't know what you guys are talking about before I walked what, in. What's your question? Let's let's hear. It. Let's, yeah. let's try this out. It's an entirely different question than when I first got up. Okay, <laughs> okay, that's fair. Because so, my well, first question was, "Hey, Veronica, how does your hair do that?" Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that is kind of interesting. <laughs> uh, okay, I have given up on trying to keep up with everything. So uh, yesterday yeah, is okay. the first time I ever heard of We Have Concerns. Huh. I don't believe I've ever heard your name before. <laughs> um, so you and me can both, you buddy. Give me, can you give me an elevator pitch on why I should add your podcast to the limited number of podcasts I have time to read. Uh, it's only 20 to. minutes. That's a good reason. <laughs> and at 2x, it's only 10 minutes. <laughs> and, and what, what, what's it about? 
Uh, we take a, a strange and interesting story, a science story or a philosophy story or sociology, something that you wouldn't see as a headline, but maybe down in the blog away, mm-hmm. a ways. And uh, we talk about it. We talk about what it means to us. And then we kind of make jokes and we do little sketches and stuff. And it's all improvised and, and fun. And it's only 20 minutes. So if you want to give it a shot. I'm going to add it to Overcast That's now. That's awesome. <laughs> we have concerns.com. All right. And obviously, you and I don't genuinely believe that, there's that this, this is some sort of karmic debt. Right. <laughs> Is this a There's a little sample. That's, uh, yeah, that's yeah. that's one episode of our show. I don't know if it was the best sample. But. <laughs> that's all right. That was Anthony. Yeah. It's, Who's not represented now. If you want better jokes, you wait for Jeff to <laughs> So this question is, I guess, kind of book-related. It's the, the Shannara. Oh, yeah. Series got announced, I guess, MTV? The TV series yeah. for, for the, or Shannara. Yeah. I don't know how... Everybody in the TV series said Shannara, so I guess that's oh, the new that's, way. Okay. Even though Terry Brooks said Shannara. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I guess, what do you guys think? They're starting like with the third book or something, uh-huh. kind of in the middle? Yeah, they they wanted to, to start, uh, and I think they're going to work in some of the other stuff in prequels, uh, and, and it's going to be very young adult focused. But man, that trailer, I was a little skeptical. Yeah, until I saw that trailer, and it Have looks more to the rings level. They, they shot it in New Zealand. I haven't read the book. Me neither. No. Yeah, you know, Game of Thrones is making everybody want to have their own fantasy book series as a TV show. I don't know how... I think I guess that's a good thing. I mean, Game of Thrones turned out real good, but um, it, it worries me when everybody's jumping on the bandwagon for stuff like this. Yeah, because... is there a limit to the number of sci-fi and fantasy series we want to see? Yeah, like this one was one where I'm like, wow, I don't know. I mean, Terry Brooks seems positive about it, and so I trust him and his work. Uh, and I guess he was right because the trailer looks great. But there are some out there that are being developed, or I hear being developed, that I'm I'm skeptical if you can turn them. There are, there are several book series that, that I find precious. And, you know, Game of Thrones was a book series that I found precious, and they did a great job with that. And I was really worried that it wasn't going to turn out well. But, you know, I hear the Foundation books talked about a lot as a film series or a TV yeah, show. Yeah, sprawling. Yeah, like, how do you do that? and I don't even know how you would. And I, I get really nervous because those are close to my heart. I mean, you could make a series out of the first Foundation book alone. Oh, yeah, right for sure. Um, and, and maybe that's the way to go is like, keep it small like they're doing with Shannon like picking a book out of the middle actually yeah cool does that answer your question yeah I was just wondering your thoughts cool come on up to ask Verona (laughs) Kanata a question I just just wanted to know what you thought about uh, The Martian coming out in November I'm so excited that looks amazing did you read the book yes what did you think I it was one of the best books I've read in a long time. I read it at a, a pace that I don't normally read. I was, it was, I couldn't put it down. It was one of those, one of those books that as soon as I finished it, I was, I had to tell everybody I knew that they had to read it. You know, it, it it's proof that you can make science interesting. It's proof that you can make a hero interesting who doesn't necessarily have to have, be angst ridden and dark, you know, like, He's a really great guy who, yeah. who keeps a great attitude throughout the entire ordeal. Fact, to me, I know there are you know rocket scientists who are like, well, they kind of fudged this and that. And Andy Weir's like, well, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I had right. to fudge that to make a good story. But the, the only unbelievable part is that he could keep that sense of humor. Like right. me, yeah. I would have just been up crawled up in but a ball. That's kind of yeah. my favorite part of it is is just like hanging out with him. You know, totally. And yeah, the voice is amazing. That is, I think, going to be the biggest challenge of the film is how do you convey what it's like to be in his head? Because we got to be in his head, you know? And it's interesting when we talked to Andy Weir on the show a while back, 
he said that when he heard the audiobook for the first time, he was taken aback by the voice because it was very gruff and, and kind of more manly. And Andy's like, I had not, I had imagined him as kind of like, you know, a pencil neck geek kind of guy. But he's like, I guess I wrote him in a way where he could have Matt a little Damon. more attitude. <laughs> and that, exactly, that's where I was going. Matt yeah. Damon kind of ends up being perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny when I saw Interstellar the first time, I was like, oh no, because I'd already heard they cast him as this. I was like, don't waste your. Don't Space waste your Matt Damon guidance on this, you know? Yeah. I think he'll be more likable. Is <laughs> that hope. a spoiler? I hope. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't I hope. Uh, go ahead. Bring up your next question. So I wanted to get your input on this because I have this conversation on a very regular basis with people. Uh, when I mention that I uh, like writing and I do a lot of writing, I always get the pushback of, well, books are dead and, and writing is, is going out as a medium. Really? People say because, yeah, writing is going out as a medium? But, oh, yeah, because they're all okay. doing – because right. video is where it's at. Language is, do is gone. We're yeah. just going to – it's emojis from here on out, man. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're right. If you're not writing your book in emojis these days, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> That's a fair concern. Uh, so I wanted to get your take because uh, while that is a bit extremist, right? Because even back, you know, a long time ago before the internet, not everyone read books. You know, you had people who, you know, they'd read the newspaper and whatnot. And they, sure. didn't, they didn't open a novel every week, you know, just like now. Uh, but we definitely see an evolving from... Uh, we have a lot of different formats, you know, just like with comic books, you have, you know, you now have web comics and things that the internet can allow you to do, uh, where, uh, with novels, you kind of have, um, it's kind of like an icon iconic of American culture is the novel, mm -hmm. uh, especially the great American novel. Right. Yeah. And, and that kind of thing. And, and the idea of, you know, we've had people, you know, write blogs, but you know, they're, they're completely in, a, in its own category, completely separate and things like that. So where do you see the novel going moving forward with, you know, as we get more connected with tablets and, and smartphones that we like everyone has now, like, yeah, I ebooks. Sure. But like, is there anything beyond that, that you see it going? Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting. I mean, I always, when I hear people say, well, the internet is, is making X irrelevant. Everyone said that about radio and television came along. Radio is still around. Radio has evolved into podcasting. We like to tell stories as, as a species. We've always liked yes. to tell stories as a species, and that is not ending. The only thing that has changed is, you know, the guy sitting around the campfire telling them versus, you know, Charles Dickens writing a serialized story. And then somebody's like, hey, you know what? We could take all those and put them together in, in a book and sell the book. And, and so I think we'll continue to see novels because that is an excellent form. And I think there will be new forms. And I think people are out there kind of playing with that now that we have this new way of presenting stories. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know what's going to be next. Yeah, I... I um I'm tempted to make a joke, but I won't. I um, I see. Okay, tell us later. Yeah, after your after your coaching. Talk. <laughs> I uh, all the other ways in which we get stories now are are collaborative mediums, right? So the the novel is a pure place where one person can sit down and deliver a story from a singular voice, and in that way, it's never going to be replaced. So maybe. Novels, as we're seeing now, are going to be more and more just fodder for delivery of that story in other mediums. You know, I think the people that see the Martian film are going to vastly outnumber those of us that read the book. Mm -hmm. But so be it. You know, we're still as long as I still get the chance to read that book, I'm going to be pretty happy. And I think I don't think it's ever going to go away because there's no way 
for one person to deliver a tale to other people more efficiently than that. Yeah. All right. Is that, is that, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I think that uh, the novel is fantastic, and I definitely agree collaborative media is, is getting bigger. And, you know, especially with tabletop role-playing game, losing a lot of its stigma that it had in the 80s, and just moving into, you know, things that people don't even associate with D&D and, and whatnot. Um, also, just episodic stories yeah. where, you know, just like the web comics, you know, we are in a culture with, you know, I don't have time to sit down and read a novel, but... You know, I can sit down and, you know, read, you know, you know, a page or whatever. And so, you know, just bite-sized chunks of, well, hey, sit down and watch this YouTube video. It's only an hour long. Well, no, no, no one does that. Yeah. You know, but, oh, hey, it's Except, only, well, it's only, rarely, yeah. you know, it's only five minutes. Oh, well, yeah, I got time for that. And, but yet that five minutes becomes, well, I'm going to watch the next one. I'm going to well, watch the next one. When I mentioned Charles Dickens, I mean, that's what he did. He wrote his novels in pieces because people didn't read novels. They read, yeah. they read periodicals. So it's just yeah. kind of going back and saying, Oh, you know, that idea is still relevant. Yeah. All right. So now I need to go write about time traveling, uh, dinosaurs. dinosaurs. Just tell awesome. people that the internet is Dickensian. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just a throwback to the 18th century. Was that your joke? No. What was your joke? It was worse. No. Yeah. Was I said we have eBooks now. The next thing is going to be F books. And I know that's going to be huge. Cause I keep hearing people say F books. Yeah. <laughs> That's not bad, right? Yeah. That's no, not, not bad. bad. I like that. <laughs> Just don't don't say it to Anthony. I won't. He'll hate me. He actually threw me out of that room. That's why I'm here. <laughs> so, uh, watching my Facebook feed over the last several months, dealing with the whole Hugo's issue. Yeah, right. I'm wondering if we're seeing less of a democratization of science fiction fandom and more of a balkanization of science fiction fandom. We've got a bunch of separate warring tribes who don't mix. You got the people who just read this kind of book and the people who just read this kind of book and they don't really communicate with each other. Mm. I mean, that's that's what I've been seeing over the last yeah, couple of months. I think that might be a symptom of popularization of the of the genre mm -hmm. uh, because when people looked down on science fiction and fantasy, you bonded over the fact that like, oh, hey, you like that, I like that too. Oh yeah, you like Asimov, I like Tolkien, but we're still, we can bond over the fact that there's not that many of us. What the internet has done is not only popularize the genre, but also make it really easy to find all the other people who like exactly what you want. And that's not just true of science fiction, fantasy fandom. That's true of all the fandoms. It's the echo chamber. I kind of feel like what we're doing is working out the issues that this new connectivity mm -hmm. has created. And I don't think, I still don't think it's brought anything new to, I think there were always people who just wanted to read their stuff. Uh, it's just learning how to use this new tool and, and way of connecting it. And, and along the way, you're going to have bumps like like this where, where people get angry and, and they have to learn to grow up, kind mm -hmm. of. I think that's very well said. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Thank you very much. <clears throat> Teresa. Hi. Okay, short. Um, I use the metaphor of the blind man and the elephant often in talking about things like stories. So to me, I agree with Veronica, I don't look at Game of Thrones as, oh, bastardization of the book the the film the film it's just a different medium and people just need to get over it it so with the blind man and the elephant here's this elephant that's the story the universe of game of thrones and the people who just touch the ear they're just the readers good for them they have that experience and the people who just touch the trunk they and they they like and maybe if they there's another sequel that's created or prequel or whatever that's fine it's a story let's all enjoy it 
Um, also, with something like the Foundation Trilogy, um, I, I, I would, I think now is the time because I was terrified when I saw they were going to um, to make uh, films of Outlander, that series, which is just really huge. But doing it in these seasons, the way they're doing it, allows um, respect for this just huge material. So I, I think that it can be done. But again, I'm not going to look at it as the same as the novel. I'm going to look at uh, the series. I'm going to look at it series, uh, separately. OK, all of that. That was just while they're standing there. My actual question, <laughs> um, and I've asked Tom Veronica this before, is what brought you into as a reader mm. into science fiction and fantasy? I have a very clear memory of J the John Christopher, the tripods, and all of them. And, and I actually think for fantasy, it probably was something visual. And then I thought I wanted to read. But how mm -hmm. about you? What what got you in, involved as a, as a reader? Boy, that's a really great question. I mean, I was always a kid that was into fantasy worlds. I was into comic books. I was, you know, I couldn't get enough of Star Wars. And I think genre stuff in general turned me on and, and got, got me, you know, charged my imagination. Uh, and, you know, I remember reading The Hobbit at a young age. Um, I think I think the first stuff that I was really reading was was comic books, and then then I moved uh, to started uh, to reading novels, and I I got really into Stephen King at a young age, like probably younger than I should have been reading Stephen King. Got a King fan in the house, out there. yeah, yeah. Um, and but then but then I and then I got onto Isaac Asimov, and that was like that was it because uh, you know he had so many books, but it also led me to Arthur C. Clarke and um, Heinlein and that entire generation of writers and that led me to more modern people and it was just you know off to the races after that and when I was when I was a kid I was way more into science fiction than fantasy and at some point I made this change hmm. because I find now that I much prefer reading fantasy novels than I do science fiction novels and um, I don't know why that change happened but I I tend to uh, I tend to gravitate more toward the the world building of of sort of um old worlds mm -hmm. than far future worlds now but when i was a kid it was the exact opposite i wonder if that's just i don't know because i i definitely read science fiction not exclusively but in a great predominance when i was young and it really wasn't until veronica and i started doing sword and laser that i started reading a significant amount of fantasy and i've loved it and I, I was, th I've, I've thought, well, maybe that's just because it's different, mm. you know, and I wasn't exposed to it. But there is something about like immersing yourself in those ancient, yeah, worlds, you know, those unfamiliar ancient worlds, versus the the hope for the future. Maybe it's when you get maybe old, just, you're like, I ain't any hope for the future. I wonder, I wonder if it is a function of age in the sense yeah. that when I was a kid, like I, I was just constantly imagining what might come next. I mean, I, my lifetime is sort of the lifetime of the personal computer, you know, and and I was very much immersed in that growing up in the bay area my dad was you know brought home personal computers when they first started becoming available and so i was always fascinated about technology and what might come next and i think you get to a certain age and you start at least for me i started having much more of an appreciation of what has happened before mm -hmm. and so maybe just in general that's you know influenced my my entertainment life as well. And there's something to be said about uh, if, if you can actually do it yourself. Like you you could theoretically walk around in Middle Earth. Uh, <laughs> right. Well, you know, as you yeah. get older, you might not be able to get on a spaceship <laughs> and handle the stresses. Uh, That's funny. Of, of well, space life. You can life. be a dog person and a cat person yeah, at the same true. time. So Absolutely. it's all yes, okay. Yes, totally right. true. Thank Although you. cat people are nuts.
No, I'm, just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll, t- we'll try to make them quick. Get, get your questions in. Come on up. Just super quick, thanks for what you guys do. And to your point about um, what's the future of the novel, I'm a school library media specialist, and one series I cannot get enough of is the 39 Clues, if you have kids that are into that. So that takes uh, the whole series. Each one's written by a different author, and Mm. there's also cards and games and websites and all that stuff. So maybe transmedia, I don't know if adults do that as much as kids do, but maybe that could be one element. That's cool. Um, So that's cool. But my actual question was, have you guys read or what do you think of Armada, Ernie Klein's latest? I haven't read it yet. I haven't either, and I've heard really bad things. I know. I've seen the reviews, and I don't want to believe them. I know. I got really excited, and yeah. I was go- I was literally going to download it for the plane coming here, and I started reading people that I know and like saying that it wasn't good, and I it, I was like, well, maybe I'll read. Did you else. read it? I'm about halfway through it right now. I'm definitely enjoying it. Definitely a lot of I'd say some similarities with Ready Player One. Maybe yeah. Not quite as strong, but mm. I'm enjoying it. All right. Yeah. Try maybe it's it. just suffering from the high expectation problem. Yeah. yeah. Sophomore slump. All right. We only got like a minute, so. Go ahead and come on up. Quick question. I also do a sci-fi podcast, um, Sci-Fi Tech Talk, but I was just wondering about when you wind up uh, ingesting a lot of sci-fi time after time, week after week on a regular basis, how does that change your appreciation of sci-fi? Does it change your standards? Um, A little bit. I've noticed that I actually will read a book and say, oh, yep, I know I know what's happening because I've read that mm. type of storyline before just because of the amount. That's the only thing I can think of. That's a great, que- that's a great question. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've given myself permission to stop mm. books. I used to force myself to finish something, and now I just go, there's too much other great stuff. I'm going to stop and go into something else. I still don't do that. I, <laughs> I like barrel on. It's very rare I abandon a book or lem a book. Yeah. Do you find your standards have changed? They've widened. I don't, I don't think they've, you know, I don't think I've gotten to where I like hate books any faster, uh, but I definitely appreciate books that I don't think I would have before. All right. I'm sorry. Do you got a quick question? What's your quick question, JF? Is there a, is there a Michael Ostman in the audience? Oh, that is a quick question. Yes or no? (laughs) Michael? No, no Michael Ostman? No. No. Never mind then. All right. (laughs) That was easy. Yeah, he actually took my question. <laughs> yeah, you were waiting. For I, that. Was, I was. I know. I was really oh, curious so about whether Mike Osman was here. Well, uh, first of all, <laughs> Jeff Canada, what an unexpected pleasure! <laughs> Thank you so Thank much. You. I hope you guys were okay with that. I stole away half of your show. Oh, I uh, I absolutely adore Anthony Carboni. I was just joking earlier. <laughs> we have concerns is one of my favorite shows ever, and I've told these guys this. I've subscribed and started listening because I like them and I think they're funny. And I was like, oh, I want to check out their show, and I've just become a fanboy of it. I can't oh, miss you. an episode. So go. I check feel it the out. same about Sword and Laser. It's fantastic, and you guys are awesome for supporting them so that I can continue to watch it. <laughs> and listen Thanks to everybody it. for coming. Audio program so good, it's like you're there!